Welcome to the crackling epicenter of a universe-shattering event. Um, incandescent energy leaps and arcs from the landing vessel. Travellers from the unfathomable cosmic depths step forth. Uh, today we are joined by our guests, Tazzy and Nigel. Hello. Yes, uh, Tazzy and Nigel of the Mayor Mardacast are joining us once again. Uh, this time we are diving into... Jack Kirby's Eternals. So this is Ace Comicals presents Jack Kirby's Eternals. Now, in honor of the introduction of the Eternals to the MCU, we are here today to discuss the Eternals. We're taking you back to 1976, which is the beginning of the Eternals in comics. Um, so we're going to be taking a look at the beginning of the Marvel Universe's mythology laid down by the king himself, Jack Kirby, riffing on the existence of gods and demons, monsters and heroes of ancient times. Um, so this is like the genesis of man to modern day uh, told the Marvel way. A yarn spun about the beginning of life on Earth and beyond in the Marvel Universe. So this is this is kind of like like stories about myths and legends on Earth and it's the way... Jack Kirby manages to weave that into the Marvel universe and add his kind of like sci-fi myth twist to it, which is what he enjoys doing. But what it also is, is like the the Marvel creation myth, because as you get further into it, this is kind of like how all life in the Marvel universe is seeded. The Celestials do all the work. And we'll come on to that in a moment, um, because hopefully... Uh, with this, we're going to be able to give you a little bit of context and an explanation. And I'm hoping that this cast will be able to function as some kind of beginner's guide to the mythology and lore of the Marvel Universe. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see how how understandable it is <laughs> when I'm done talking. Um, so this is like the Marvel creation myth and a brief explanation of the Eternals, Deviants and Celestials. And we're hopefully going to be able to do that and also discuss some truly great comics. So... <laughs> Let's start at the beginning um, uh, and, and strap in and listen carefully because all of this is going to make you super interesting in the smoking area of your favourite bar at 2am. So um, if we start with just um, first impressions, I guess. So like the the reading I gave you guys, like what did you guys make of it? Just a general first impression before I kick off and get into anything. Uh, so I, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the the first word so there's two things like it's it's a lot going on and you kind of have to keep track of like you mentioned um celestials deviants humans eternals and then also interestingly it's a, it's a window into what was this like late 70s uh i was just yeah it's a window yeah. into late 70s um perspective and culture and <laughs> the way people speak which is quite interesting so uh yeah and it's a lot did i mention it's a lot yeah <laughs> well like you mentioned like the way people speak in the book and things like that and i don't think it's even as as 70s i think i think it's it's doing i'll come on to this a bit more later but it does this thing that jack kirby does where it's just like grandiose and operatic without ever needing to be <laughs> But, okay, yeah. yeah yeah because yeah, he just he does this thing where he, he like when i've read when you read some of his books that he makes people talk like um he makes people talk like mythological heroes and legends it's it's like um and thus the earth was shattered you know that kind of stuff and it's like it's kind of like everything is a little bit biblical yes and, yeah. <laughs> and he's, he, he's totally yeah. does that 
it kind of felt like um, I was being told, uh, this is going to sound uh, like a criticism. It's not, it's just <laughs> the way it came across, but it's like being told a bedtime story. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of just like, yeah, that once upon a time and thus the earth was, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. cool. I got it. Yeah. Um, move on to Tazzy. So Tazzy, what do you think? What's your uh, kind of like? So I'm ag- going to agree with Nigel in that it's a lot yeah um kind of hard to follow <laughs> um and it's kind of jarring to read like it is <laughs> i found it really jarring to read like my head <laughs> while trying to read this i was like yeah it was a it was a struggle for me i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it's it's an assault to the senses because it is so bright and colorful and and like it is it's it's a lot packed in, isn't it? There's there's an awful lot of information and an awful lot of of concepts and characters and things packed into such a small, um, a, a small thing, small space. And I think that is part of what, like, because it's so dense with information and everything else. Um, that might be why there was only initially nineteen issues, <laughs> and an annual. Um, which was like kind of like the first volume of it. Um, Leon, uh, you've 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 read Kirby books. I mean, um, uh, has anyone actually? Um, how many of us here have actually read like classic comics from the sixties and seventies before reading this? Nope. Not as many as I probably should have. And <laughs> um, what about you? I know you probably have, Leon, right? <laughs> yeah, I- I've dabbled. It was mostly first run spider-man comics but i've read everything yeah. with like uh, the x-men from this period and a bit later and like classic fantastic four and stuff like that over the years yeah yeah and, and what did you make of this <laughs> well th- this is this one is a weird one especially in the time period that it's come out because doubtless will get into this a bit more later as you go through the book. But having read like bits of Kirby's previous works, especially the stuff he did at DC with the new gods, I do get a kind of hint of this being like, and this is not meant to be a super negative, but it does feel like new gods light a little bit or like how to process the, grandiose nature of the new gods into the Marvel framework and with that some things work and some things don't but overall I would echo the statements of uh, Nigel and Tazzy where it is it's a head rush and if you're especially if you're not uh, if your last couple of comics haven't been sort of older comics you have to do multiple stages of getting your brain into it. So you have your first stage of getting your brain into the way dialogue is expressed in older comics. And then you have the second lock of rewiring your brain to be on Kirby's level where you just like, let it wash (laughs) all over me. But then I think there's a third level where cause the plotting in this is both dense and quixotic at the same time it it feels at times it feels like you're part you're like part of this great 
like chapter upon chapter rediscovery of like humanity, which like it's it's drawing on a lot of those works, as, as I'm sure you're going to mention, Chariots of the Gods, uh, Chariot of the Gods, and all that, and Ancient Aliens. But then it's also it's like zipping about to like different groups quite a lot, so you don't really spend too much time with like it with the characters enough to to get a good idea of them. So it does hit you like a head rush because in one moment or one page, you're being told you're being given all these new proper nouns for these ancient races and and people, and then the sub layers of these people. Like the mutates and how they relate to the deviants, <laughs> and then on on top of that, you've got random Marvel stuff popping up like Shield, and then on top of that, you've got just what the world is like at this time in in like say New York, nineteen seventy six. So it, it is a massive head rush, and it is. I, I don't know how anyone can read this without a sip of coffee to start you off. <laughs> Not because of uh, falling asleep, but you just need to be wired to go there. Yeah. And like, I think what helps you with get through it, even if you're not quite on the same page, so to say, uh, is the artwork. The artwork is never boring, always interesting. Uh, I've got things more to say later on in how much I think it might be derivative of previous Kirby works. But compared to like anything else, especially at the time, it's yeah. it's magical and um, yeah, just a, a true joy to get through. Even if I, I don't really know which characters I'm rooting for or exactly <laughs> like what the massive stakes are, because the stakes feel so big. It it is it is a ride as you go from issue to issue. But you are gonna it, it is a wild it's a wild ride reading them like with no gap yeah. between them, as I did as part of this um, big collection. I cannot imagine waiting a month back in the 70s to find out what's going on. Exactly. And if you uh, if you want to root for anyone, root for the Celestials. Bring on the fourth host. <laughs> <laughs> Very religious um, of you, Greg. Yes. <laughs> so, um, it's no surprise, actually, that um, you compare it to the New Gods, Leon, because it is basically the same... It's 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 in the same ballpark. It's the same themes, the same kind of like writing and whatever. I think I think Jack Kirby had this 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 story in his head like a virus, and he had to get it out somehow. Um, so like this all starts at like ni- in 1970. Jack left Marvel, as we know, and that's when he went to DC, and that's when he worked on the New Gods, which was mythology meets science fiction, very similar to what the Eternals is in theme and everything else. Um, and then that got cancelled. Um, he came back to Marvel and he began working on the Eternals, uh, which was the same thing ish, um, covering a lot of the same concepts and ideas that the new gods did. Um, eventually I want to do a show on the new gods, Leon. And I think that might just be us two. Cause I think we're the only two that probably have the patience for it. Yeah, we've got to, we got to um, read that brick. I'm, I'm hyped for it. I'm hyped for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this was originally going to be called The Celestials as well. It wasn't originally going to be called The Eternals. It was originally going to be called The Celestials. And then it got changed from that to Return of the Gods. And it went even as far as like to do the comic cover. It had the same font as the logo of um, Chariots of the Chariots of the Gods, which is the... 
Eric von Daniken book that's like basically the hypothesis in the book is that we were visited by aliens and that's why you know ancient man was visited by aliens and that's the only way to explain some of the carvings and drawings and architecture from the ancient world around the world like pyramids in in egypt and so what so on and so forth which is it's all that ancient alien stuff um and i'm gonna get onto that in a minute but marvel's legal department decided that they didn't like it (laughs) being that close to chariot of the gods so they changed the title again to the eternals but um it looks like they didn't change the typeface because what i'm gonna do now guys is i'm gonna drop you an image comparison that i hastily made up just before recording the cast and this will be in the show notes yeah, and I'm going to put this comparison in the show notes as well because it is. You can see that they're like the. Um, so this is like the the cover from the sort of like the first one of the first softback printings of Chariot of the Gods, next to the cover of Eternals number one. And if you look at the font, hmm. the typeface between the Eternals title and Chariot of the Gods, it's like they knew what they were doing. Yes. And it's totally yeah. different, man. Like the one uses. <laughs> They use a drop shadow, and Marvel are using a race shadow. It's completely different, man. Yeah, also one's red and one's yellow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the colours are different. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> there that's... Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's not the same lettering at all. Not at all. This is kind of what it is. So it, it's, almost like it's, a, it's almost like Jack Kirby read this book, and then these ideas got lodged in his mind. And he's like, this is fertile ground for good sci-fi stories. Because at the end of the day, that's that's all this is. It's There's nothing real about it. There's nothing true about it. And I will get onto that in a sec. But anyway, so... Um, the, similar to the New Gods, Eternals was cancelled without actually getting properly finished. <laughs> so it f- then fell to um, some other creators... Um, writers Roy Thomas and Mark Grunewald and they used the Eternals in a Thor storyline that ran up to Thor 301 and that kind of like resolved the lingering plot lines just a little bit um and then from there the Eternals have just sort of like popped up on and off in various capacities throughout Marvel history throughout the comics now um in particular, actually, um, which we're going to get onto as well, the Celestials' experiments on mankind is the reason for mutants and things like that. And that's been used as the reason for why there are mutants and such. And things get retconned into being Eternals and things like that. So we're, we're going to get onto that again in a moment. But anyway, so has anyone here ever watched Ancient Aliens? Am I the only one? Isn't it still running? I've seen like highlights of it, but I haven't watch the thing um, I, I think it's still running you know i don't know if it's still running but i know it's on netflix i'm sure it had like 16 <laughs> seasons or something wild like that and it is such leaps of logic such astounding <laughs> leaps of logic it really is i mean look right it life on other planets is a nice idea okay it's a cool idea i like the concept of earth having been visited by terrestrial civilizations that were perceived as gods in ancient times i think it's fertile ground for great sci-fi and as we know from the eternals and other stuff like stargate it, it is good it, it's it's a good base for a good story prometheus as well yeah exactly but it's also completely fictional and you know it 
And like, I mean, I don't know if any of you have seen these YouTube videos or these TikToks that go about where people find like an old building or a ruin with a fresco or relief carving on it and point it out and go, ooh, look, it's an astronaut or whatever. And like, how could they, and, or, or, you know, and, and they look at it like, how could they have made something that looked like that? And, or something along those lines. And these people want so badly to believe that something that is so clearly an abstraction of something super pedestrian they they want so badly to believe that it becomes proof of alien life to them or whatever and it, in and people believe it and they propagate it and in a way it gets really damaging especially when like the history channel so so like this is what this is my problem with ancient aliens it's made by the history channel the history channel you're supposed to be able to trust the history channel it shows actual educational and factual content albeit most of it's about adolf hitler but it shows actual factual content about World War Two, mostly. Um, but that's another problem. And, like, they run a show on this stuff, this pseudo-archaeology, as if it's actual fact that can be trusted. I mean, the ideas themselves, in a lot of places, and especially in Chariot of the Gods, are also a little bit problematic, and laden with a rich vein of racism. Because it's like, the whole thing hinges on, like, white people going from Europe to Africa and South America and being like, how could these people have built these pyramids or known stuff or had this technology? <laughs> it must have been aliens. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> As if only white European people are capable of stuff like that and any other race yeah. or culture could not we have possibly... Have convinced how, who, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. As if no one could possibly achieved anything on that level. You know, it's it's maddening, it really is. But yeah, so so... I just wanted to get that off my chest first of all. <laughs> that it's kind of that idea to yeah, as humans to explain just explain things or or for there to be explanations for things we don't necessarily understand at the time. I feel this is like a it it goes into that uh, area and our just ability to create these stories, um, mythologies, uh, whatever they might be. Yeah, and and I like the way that. Because this is this is one of Jack Kirby's hallmarks as well. With a lot of his work, he likes to take ancient myths and legends. He likes to play with them. So this is where the this is where Thor came from in the Marvel books, mm. and and the Asgardians and everything else. Because he 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 likes to tell these kinds of stories. But it's just it's it's crazy. It really is that that this ancient alien stuff exists and that people actually believe it. And and books like Chariot of the Gods are taken as gospel by people. It's mad. <laughs> I think it, it works as you as you mentioned. I think it's like the nexus of varying different things. I think it's a mix of, um, as you say, like Eurocentrism, a a very sort of white centric view of of like history and the planet, but also it's a, a marriage of like sci fi and religion for a lot of people because. On some deep level, when it comes to religion, God, whichever God it is, um, is an inscrutable God in the sense that people send prayers out, but and like interpret things back, but no one actually like hears the voice of God or anything like that. So it always remains a question mark over humanity. And when you have a compelling idea like that, which neatly explains for you so many things which don't seem to make sense to you because uh, how could these civilizations who were inferior to like the general one uh 
how could they have got here like before a normal civilization and like you bring all those things together and and then another thing is that humanity loves conspiracy theories and like finding out things that are just below the surface that like you guys never knew this that this whole time x was x and it's like I think all of it comes together so well is how you get an idea like that to be so compelling and to have the show on History Channel, which I did check, and it's still running. It had new episodes last month, (laughs) season 17. Surely they've run out of material by now. Surely. (laughs) It's like I, I was watching a TikTok video of some dude like pointing out a carving on a building that... It was on it. It wasn't even like anything that old. It was like, um, was it a 17th century building? Something like that. I can't remember. All I know is, is like, oh, it must be, look, it's an astronaut. How, how could that have existed? Aliens have visited Earth before. And I took one look at it and I paused the video and I showed it to Sophie. I said, Sophie, um, just look at that and tell me what that is. And she went, it's a diving suit. <laughs> and I was like, you're damn right it's a diving suit because all the stuff in the background as well, because they have like, it, it, it's, it's so clear, like, because they've got carvings of like fucking seaweed around it and stuff. And they had, I checked, Leonardo da Vinci designed a diving suit or one of the first diving suits. Diving suits have existed for hundreds of years. So, you know what but- I think it is as well is, is especially because when you mentioned TikTok, it's like, um, we, we look at past things with present eyes and if there's like, you know, with the history channel and uh, the show, if there's this, this thought, it's like collective thought about sort of aliens and things, you know, just under the surface, you then look at things that at the time would have been innocuous, but now because we're all collectively thinking, so like there are aliens we've been visited and we're now looking for those, those signs, you then, more likely to see it or just people want to get hits and views on tiktok yeah yeah i definitely think there's a bit of that like uh modern eyes um because i was watching wally you know like disney's wally um and uh like they they're looking at the captain's looking at plants and he's like oh i'm gonna grow a pizza plant I think it's that same kind of concept. Is <laughs> like <laughs> this makes complete sense, <laughs> but because you're not, you don't have, you're not living in that time. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're kind of putting your modern perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's it's funny because it it doesn't even take. It's like the just the astounding leaps of logic and the fact that it's so damaging to actual, you know, actual factual archaeology for this stuff to be, you know, to propagate and for people to believe it, for this misinformation to be out there and and people to be, you know, getting sucked into this whole ancient aliens hole. And, you, you know, it, it's damaging to the field of archaeology, I guess. And it, it's damaging to, to actual history and to, to the way that we, we think about ancient cultures around the world in other places that aren't Europe. You know, it's just... It's 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 weird. Yeah, but on the flip um, side, it creates a really good base for fun sci-fi. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to say as problematic as it is, it's it when when you you wield it's one of those things where it's like if you wield the idea correctly, you can make some awesome stories like Stargate, The Eternals, etc. And if you do it wrong, you end up with Chariots of the Gods. 
and uh, Jack Kirby clearly does it right. So I'm going to move on from there now, and I'm going to try and give you a primer of the key players in this book. So what The Eternals is, is the rewriting of the genesis of mankind and life in the mar- in in the universe in marvel in the marvel universe so this is like in the marvel universe this is their creation myth and it hinges around the existence of these beings called celestials who are for want of a better way of explaining it massive space gods and the celestials what they do is they go planet to planet throughout the marvel universe and they find planets that have life and they take the proto um the proto sentient life so in our case proto humanity and what they do is they perform experiments and they create um different offshoots of humanity so what they end up doing is they create a race of eternals which are beings with um higher abilities higher powers longer life expectancy and all those kinds of things the eternals weren't originally immortal so originally they they were just longer livid um and then they have the ordinary humans but what they did is they seeded the ordinary humans with the potential to develop powers which was what you know what what is is known now in the marvel universe as the x gene which causes mutants and then what they also did was they created the deviants which are a race of um a race of humans with unstable dna an offshoot of humanity with unstable dna um that are constantly changing they they when they reproduce it's always different their children are always different and um there are a sub race of deviants that are that that have excess mutation which are called um Leon Leon had the word earlier and now uh, I've lost it. The mutates. It. It the mutates. Case? That's it. The mutates. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like, that's the structure we're looking at. So if I start with the Celestials. So the Celestials are members of the first life forms created um, in and by the original universe in the Marvel sense of things. Um and they are the ones that go through and contribute to the creation of life throughout everything from there forward in the Marvel in the Marvel world. Um, so, like all different species across the Marvel universe, have their own ways of explaining the Celestials. Um, but one way is, or the the sort of like accepted way, is that. Count like billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years ago, before things as we know it now, um, there was a single sentient universe which was called the first firmament, and that was the sole being in creation. And then it got really lonely and it decided to make the first life in creation, so it had friends and people to do stuff for it, servants, <laughs> uh, which it later regretted the idea of doing this but these servants were cosmic beings which were lesser than the great firmament first firmament and there was the the um there was black ones and there was multicolored ones these humanoid servants um 
the ones that the ones that were without color just did whatever they were asked and they were just like almost like robots automatons they they were they obeyed and they worshipped and they did as they were asked um and then the other ones um the multicolored ones they had their own sort of like goals and things and they wanted to um they they were considered rebels because they wanted a dynamic and diverse continually evol- continually evolving reality where beings lived learned reproduced aged and died and slowly improved through evolution and they wanted this with the ultimate long-term goal of producing superior cosmic beings with the power to create universes of their own and for those universes to evolve with them as they advance towards that state and these these were what we know as the celestials these multicolored ones um and that's the goal that they're aiming towards with these experiments on various planets is they want these life forms to get to the point where they can produce their own universes and and be as you know as celestials to other universes but unfortunately that doesn't seem to happen very often because the fourth host comes, they get judged. This experiment is just a failure and Arishem puts the kibosh on everything, um, which is what the story's about when we join it, where the Celestials come back to Earth again to check the progress of their experiments and and, and the whole thing with Arishem, the judge, spending 50 years deciding whether they're happy with it or not, you know, collecting data and just being giant scientists walking all over the Earth. Um, so yeah, they come, the first, they come in four hosts, the celestials, when they visit a planet, you've got the first host, which is where they come in the stone age and they do what I've already described, which is taking, um, like the first sort of like beginnings, the roots of sentient life, and then splitting it off into the different root races or whatever, the, the deviants, the eternals and the humans. And then they come back and, and periodically check on that. So the second host, they come and on Earth, they found that the deviants, deviants had made a huge empire and had um, enslaved the primitive humans. And they, the, the deviants were living on a huge continent called Lemuria, which is a fictional continent that supposedly existed. Um, was it in the Pacific or the Atlantic, Lemuria? I can't remember. Um, but it's the it's like a large continent that supposedly existed and then the celestials sunk it because they didn't like the deviants because the deviants tried to fight the celestials um and then they came back again and then they come back for the fourth time to check on us which is what this book that we're reading today is um so that's kind of an overview of the key players and that's where we're at right now that's where we join it with the eternals book that we're going to be discussing today, which is like the first, I think I got you guys to read the first 11 issues of the 1976 Eternals, which is what we're on to now. So that's how it works. That's the process. The experiment is repeated by the Celestials throughout the Marvel universe on pretty much every world with sentient life. Um, like the Cree, the Skrull, all of us, we're children of the Celestials. Um, and that is that is the Marvel creation myth. That's that's how it all works. And hopefully, 
um, if you imagine if you imagine yourself, you imagine the smell of of burning tobacco, people shouting, um, faint music in the distance, the taste of a good pint in your hand. Maybe you'll understand that a little better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, um, maybe maybe you have to be drunk in a smoking area in a bar to get what I've just said. I don't know. But to me, it makes perfect sense. And I hope that makes sense to you guys as well at home listening to the podcast. But yeah, there we go. Um, so what I mean, like, has that cleared anything up for you guys? Because I know you had questions. So Nigel, has that cleared anything up? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to be honest, the uh the good thing about this it i was saying before we were recording that it's just preparing me to go and see the film because of all the mcu films today eternals is one i had i just had no reference point for is uh completely due so i even remember when they made the announcement i think it was i guess it was san diego comic-con uh whenever it was and they're saying you know uh angelina jolie is going to be this character and and da, 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 da. and I meant none of it meant anything to me. I was like, I don't even know who these characters are. I don't know whether these, this is good casting, uh, if this is terrible casting. Um, but having read this and your explanation, I now feel I'm in a position I can watch the film uh, and judge. Basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I can, <laughs> I've got grounding to now judge what I'm gonna, uh, I'm about to see. So the in terms of like the comic specifically, it does yeah. help the framing uh, with that because like we said, there's a lot in there. And yeah. I think just you going over it kind of like, oh yeah, okay, I can I can put that in context. And then, you, I mean, we didn't even get to the actual, like the, the Eternals themselves and what's going on like in between the Eternals um, too. But in terms of like what it means for the, the Celestials and why the events in this uh, comic are happening. Uh, it helped. It's definitely, I've gone from basically zero to, to now. Okay. I know what's going on. Yeah. It, it, it does add like a layer of, it, it's good to know these things, isn't it? It adds a layer of context yeah. to it all, but like, um, and, and also things that happen have happened previously in the Marvel universe, in the Marvel comics are retconned into this idea as well from this point forward. So from 1976 forward, things start getting retconned into this is that with this being the creation myth for Marvel and whatever, because you get things like Thanos and the Titans are retconned into, yeah, they're retconned into being Eternals. Thanos is an Eternal. I thought he said, is it Deviant? I thought it was, I got it. No, he's an Eternal. The Titans Uh, are Eternals. So Thanos is an Eternal. Um, Okay. Then my next question, why, why is he purple? Because he's from Titan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's very well explained, but yeah. <laughs> um, Tazzy, having seen the film and then yeah. having listened to my diatribe just then, like, does <laughs> does any of that make sense? I have to listen to listening to you. I'm like, now I'm just confused. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> now I don't know if I do. <laughs> and also like make sure you watch both end credits. And people were leaving, you know, after the first okay. um There's two credit scene. And I was like, yeah. come on, it's Marvel, there's it's normally two. <laughs> like <laughs> what have you got to lose by waiting? Um yeah, watch both. <laughs> so the film the film does not handle it the same way that the comics do i'm guessing then from what no. i've just said no 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 it's okay. like a different approach the whole like 
for yeah. what are they called the 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 fourth host the celestial the fourth host yeah yeah yeah, no, I, like, reading it, I was like, what? I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get Marvel as, like, or MCU would have stripped down, I assume would have stripped down a lot yeah. of what is in the original comic. I think they've done it in a, a good way, and I'm sure a lot of, like, comic book fans will disagree, but they have to remember that they have all the comic book knowledge. <laughs> We'll see what happens when, because um, I'm coming. Well, me and Leon are both coming over to you guys to the this. this that's the yeah. second part of this. Um, this crossover this, event. Yeah. This supercharged crossover event. Yeah, we're going over to you guys to discuss the movie. So, um, I guess we can see how it stacks up. But it like a preliminary um, idea of how it stacks up to the comic from Tazzy. It sounds like it's nothing like it. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, Leon. Um, has that added any kind of context to anything or is this stuff you already knew? Because I don't know how much you did or didn't know about any of this before you read it. So, No, uh, yeah, Eternals is quite a blank spot for me. Like Nigel was saying, out of all the things in the MCU so far, it's the thing that I knew the least about when it was announced. I just, like, heard about it. I'd known that... um, that uh, Thanos was like a celestial and just bits and bobs like that. Like, you know, you always, in different stories, you just hear things mentioned like this person's a watcher and blah, 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 blah. So it's, it, yeah. they were one of those trivia things where I'd heard about them, but I'd never read their specific stories. And yeah, I think I'd heard some names mentioned and it was like, Oh, okay. They're like, they, uh, they like sort of be- became part of history and they became sort of the well-known historical names and stuff like Cersei and all that. And I've, but I'd known like sort of tiny bits like that, but I didn't really have any details and I definitely didn't really have an idea about their origins, which now, now hearing it, it, it sounds like there's like well-meaning, but weird subtext in there. Yeah. Where, where like <laughs> definitely. the, uh, the, the progenitors who were like without color, just followed orders. Like there's definitely like commentary in there, but I don't think it's nefarious. I just think it's ill, ill advised. <laughs> yeah, in it's, terms it's, of what it's, it's trying to say. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it, it it's a bad decision to put it that way, isn't it? Really, <laughs> like it really is. For them to have for them to have written it that way is is a yeah. I can see exactly what you mean, and uh, I agree. But I mean that uh, that's not even um that stuff's not even that old um cuz I think I don't think that stuff um oh, is it retconned it's it's kind of retconned it's it's kind of um according to what I can see here on uh the wikipedia article that stuff is from possibly um it's been, it was revealed by a cosmic entity called the Queen of Nevers in a um, a storyline, the Eter- the Eternity War, which came out of a 2015 book. So it's not even that long ago. Um, so February, yeah, 2015, the Eternity War is is from. Um, a 2015 book and called Kirby went around there. That ain't canon. Kirby went around. <laughs> exactly. None of it's canon. But 
uh, well, it, it is canon. It all gets canonized. That's that's the thing with Marvel. It just kind of it is a dumpster, <laughs> like everything. And but the thing is, there's somebody in that dumpster frantically putting the papers in the right order. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, uh, if you think of it that way. But yeah, that that's not even for them to be for them to be like un, like making conscious decisions like the Black Ones Obey in 2015. Um, I think that's a little bit a little bit sketchy, but yeah. Well, it it, it like having not read it, I obviously can't comment uh, to yeah. any deep degree. But yeah, it sounds like they're they're making a point about something. It does, like I was saying, it doesn't yeah. sound like a nefarious thing. It sounds like a point is being made, but yeah. it just seems clumsy. Yeah, yeah, big style. Yeah, so we get to move on from there to where we are now, which is with the book that is in front of you. So um, we can actually um talk about eternals 1976 1 to 11 a little bit now so on to the next section so yeah this is like the the genesis of the idea in marvel comics so this is where the idea of marvel having a creation myth begins within these books and from there forward it is added to um changed altered uh expanded upon and where we're at today with everything right now is that we've got this like this good solid decent grounding of a story that we can explain to people of how marvel universe began um so yeah this is like the early terraforming by jack Kirby that was that created the fertile ground to be built upon and it really is some for me some cool dynamic sci-fi like i like the way that he does this like the pages do crackle with that energy and power and like we were mentioning before this grandiose language in his scripts it just makes it all so like operatic and dramatic like and the the romeo and julietness of it as well with like the love story between thena and crow oh crow yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't see that coming <laughs> <laughs> no one does <laughs> so yeah i mean like um what do you guys make of the artwork, first of all? So, like, I'm a big Jack Kirby fan, so I never have a bad thing to say about the way he draws because mm. I could I could stare at it forever. Um, but, like, what do you guys make of that? So, Nigel, start with you. Yeah, I, I will say, actually, before I get to the specific artwork, just speaking of Crow, um, and when he's introduced, he is wearing the... I don't know how to describe these these glasses that he's wearing. Um, <laughs> I think they're fantastic. Uh, I don't think I could pull them off myself, but he just comes in looking like a, uh, I don't know, 1970s Kanye West. I think Kanye West could pull these glasses off, but no one else, <laughs> Kanye West and Crow. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I've just seen that again. If you haven't seen it, or if you haven't noticed it the first time, go look at them because they're some stunning like pieces of fashion <laughs> that he comes in with uh in terms of the uh, the artwork though it's it's very like um like you say it's like i think you use the word crackling um and it just yeah. it captures your attention so i think yeah. as i'm as i'm reading it and just trying to piece together uh just the, the density of the story and the different factions and everything i think the thing that does keep it going is like oh this looks this looks cool this looks interesting and I mean, the story is dense. The artwork is is dense, and you get those uh, like double page spread, which I always love in comics. Like when it kind of builds up to a moment, and then you just turn the page, and it's like this whole thing you can just stare at and scan over. 
So yeah, no, I, I like the um, yeah, so the use of color. I mean, I'm not going to uh, critique uh, Kirby's work. It's just nice to look at. Exactly. I think Ike Harris has some pretty decent shades as well. <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, actually, but yeah, you know what? I think he does. And yeah, uh, is it a uh, a? I was going to say Ajax, but it's not Ajax. The uh, attorney uh, Ajax or Ajax with a K. Yeah. yeah, he also has some some shade action going on. I'm just noticing well, this. They're all yeah. I mean, it yeah, is the seventies. Yeah. Everyone's got to be a cool cat to use the parlance of the time. So true, true. But no, Crow is is number one. The others, Crow's <laughs> Crow's rocking the shades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's matching the outfit and everything. So I just yeah, uh, I've got a lot of uh, respect for that. Crow Crow looks like a badass. He's got like especially with the facial hair as well. The goatee that he's got rocking on as well. Like yeah, yeah. Um, Tazzy, what do you make of all this? The artwork wise. Mm. I'm, I've read it digitally. I want to make that clear. Uh, I feel like it has a different effect when it's digital. Um, and I prefer it in black and white when it's digital. Because oh, it's like an overload of the senses. Uh, and it's, I feel like it's easier to absorb in black and white. <laughs> I, There's a lot going on. <laughs> I am. Um... I passed my Kindle to Sophie the other day while I was reading it. Um, my, my girlfriend, Sophie, um, and I passed her the Kindle um, to take a look because I was reading it digitally because I've got it physical and digital. Um, and it like, I'm, I'm a, a devil for having the brightness right up on my screens anyway. Hmm. And I suffer with migraines, so I really don't know why I do it to myself. But I was reading it with the brightness up like these like fully brightly colored Jack Kirby pages. And she looked at it and just sort of like winced and just kind of, like, ah, <laughs> yeah. and she had to put it on. She had to put it on like blue light, like blue light reduction mode. <laughs> and and I'm like, how can you even look at it like that? It messes with the colors. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking about reading this on a screen. That would be because there's no like, there's no panel that lets you rest like lets your eyes rest. <laughs> <laughs> so like reading on the screen for me that would, that would be a, a tough that would be a tough one. Yeah, I think yeah. it's hard as well because there is a there's a lot of there's a there's a there's a lot in this like in terms of color in terms of um, like the artwork itself is very busy artwork and then on top of that you've got like a lot of text like it's a lot of text mm. for a comic book. <laughs> Felt I think, like I was reading a novel. <laughs> um, Phyllis Wine is the colorist, so uh, you got her to thank for that, for the bright, <laughs> bombastic colors. But the other thing as well is, if you look at this, you know, and you compare it to other books from the seventies, doesn't really look like a seventies comic. And I'll come on to that in a bit, but I don't know if that's just me or or if that is is just. Um, the way that it because it, it doesn't even it doesn't even read like a 70s book too much for me um leon what do you think in terms of its look yeah, yeah i think wise. it's um <laughs> and it's super vibrant which i liked i also read it digitally and while i'm not like you greg in the sense that i like my brightness is lower because i also get headaches all the time uh even at like sort of halfway to 40 percent 
it still looked vibrant. It was like um, like watching a movie in HDR, but like <laughs> just in the comic. And 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 that that's what I like to go to Kirby for. I I do like the eye eye popping color, all the different hues. I I love the the. I mean, there's just I think what he's really good at is is like staging and very classical like poses and stuff and whereas like whereas like other I guess other books would focus on I don't know a bit more of like setup and stuff I I do like how often he will just drop you in a new place um without really an, an establishing shot and instead it's just like here are a bunch of visual languages which uh, will be completely new to you. Just deal with it, like um, <laughs> and like as you were saying, there was a, there was a lot of text in, in a lot of these panels. But then on top of that, the images are so dense and layered, and there's so much going on. And you think like this is one dude doing all of this. Mm. <laughs> like uh, I mean, he must be in field on something because. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like there's so much going on, there's so much, so much action, so much kineticism, but then there's also so much story and so much lore that is just uh, fit in. And I, I do, I do like all the, um, the. There's like a liberal use of like sort of bright blues and like pinks and purples and stuff, which is always my jam, and lots of gold and yellows, which always sort of connotates this. Um, sort of ancient sci-fi or like fantasy sci-fi look and like beyond that i think the designs are really cool i'm always a big fan of kirby designs especially when it's cosmic and i really like how the designs you have on the like celestial bodies and they have these sort of like kind of like runes um yeah uh, and but they're they're very space style Kirby with lots of circles and harsh squares. Yeah. And it like, I just really like that look. I think the um, costume design uh, throughout is pretty cool. I, I think one problem you get is when you end up in later pages where there's just so many different celestials on screen, it gets a bit redundant and already starting this comic. It's like, it feels like he's already created like some of the best, like costumes bef- previously, and now it's like, okay, how do I come up with something new and different? <laughs> uh, okay, I'll have uh, add this bit of armor here on this person, and then uh, I'll do boob windows for this person, but then I'll do boob circles for this person, <laughs> and then this person's got a crown. This person's wearing a head a headpiece, and it, it's it's so much going on. But I think like the core designs are pretty cool. It, it does have that funny Kirby style where. A lot of the women have the same face, where it's sort of this sort of square, uh, very prominent uh, cheekbone style. But like, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I do think the costumes are, are cool. And I think the um, all the like symbology throughout is pretty cool. I, I really like the architectural design. It does feel super alien, but very historical at the same time, which is obviously this whole thing's vibe. I'm not so sure. On the vehicle design, though, like none of the vehicles, whether they be spaceships or anything, grab me. They're kind of my least favorite of the design work throughout um, 
throughout this book or these these issues where they they kind of have this look where it looks like they they look weird without being cool if you know what i mean where it's like (laughs) it's it's a variation on a helicopter it's a variation on a submarine and it's it does it doesn't doesn't work for me and but it does feel very much of its time yeah uh so like that's the stuff that works for me the least but like the rest of it is just so cool looking and like it's it's a comic ass comic like yeah and 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 that part of it I really do enjoy. I think it's more restrained than some of Kirby's other work in the design sense with the vehicles and the costumes and everything mm. else because he's trying to ground it a little bit and sort of like do that melding of myth and sci-fi to kind of bring it into. You know, like he's trying to ground things in ancient cultures and in the way that we would have looked at things in myth and the way, you know, like in, um, I mean, if you look at the way Icarus's face is, um, he kind of looks like something you would have seen painted on the side of a, a Greek, of Greek vase, doesn't he? Mm. Like his facial features and things. And it's kind of almost like he's trying to ground things a little bit in that way. Mm. Um, which leads to it being a little bit more restrained than something like New Gods, where he went absolutely ham on the designs and the, <laughs> the crazy costumes and the um, the 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 sort of like uh, the sci-fi architecture and everything else. Because the architecture in this, as well as being that classic Kirby sci-fi, it's not the complete cosmic. He he couldn't go full cosmic. He had to keep it grounded for it to work with the story because he's like it's got to look like an inca temple still i can't i can't go completely nuts with it you know Hmm. but he is i mean it is i see what you mean yeah it is that classic kirby style and it has all those classic kirby hallmarks with the the way the faces are and the bright colors and everything else um and just the 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 overall just kind of like the bombast of it basically and the fact that it just leaps off the page the dynamism there and this is what leads me to think that it's not actually the same as other comics from the bronze age and even in the way it's written it it feels a bit more silver age than a bronze age book it feels like something that probably should have been in the late 60s rather than the late 70s because if you've ever read um, if you've read books from kind of the um, the early 80s or whatever, or, or even the late 70s, um, they do have a lot of descriptive text still. But I think it's at the point where, in the Bronze Age, for me anyway, it's the point where writers are starting to let the art do the work a bit more. Mm. So... They're actually because it's it's very much that I don't know what what it was, but it feels to me that it's very much that if you go to look at earlier comics, there's an awful lot more commentary and description um, on each that. panel. Yeah, and it it's it's almost like they they feel they have to describe what's going on still. But then if you read later comics from modern times, later modern comics, or or you know um, comics from the eighties, even whatever, there's a lot less descriptive text and a lot more letting the art tell the story yeah and even because as you were uh talking i went and just checked on uh secret wars uh comic i've got so mm. i've got uh, a while ago i picked up a 
30th anniversary edition of uh, Marvel Secret Wars, which is yeah. early 80s. But check the, it was, yeah. Yeah, early 80s. And I remember first time I read this and thinking there's a lot more ex- essentially expositional text than what I'd expect from a comic always like today by today's standards. So then going back to um, the Eternals, there's even more. So I was like, oh, there's a lot more, uh, like you say, commentary. So you get like the, the narration box that says, that basically sets up the, whatever that is going on in the panel, describing what's going on. But then I noticed you also get like characters and dialogue is quite expositional. So there's a lot of, uh, like I noticed there's a number of times where a character will explain that, Eternals can't die. <laughs> so there's a lot yeah. of that. And it's it's the kind of thing there where you wouldn't expect two characters that already know that piece of information to say it again and again. But because yeah. as like the writers, it's more there's a lot more ex- explanational uh text. It's kind of it's wedged in there and then there's yeah. other moments where it just explains certain things. So yeah, I can see yeah. the almost like see the progression uh with this being an older comic, uh going to look at Secret yeah. Wars, where there's a bit less, and today, like you say, uh, comic creators are more comfortable letting that art yeah. people talking because that's a big, obviously, big part of it. Exactly, but I think this, even for its time, is still like a, a very, very much a '60s book. Right. Um, I think it. I think it feels like it should have been a decade earlier, mm. um, and I quite like that about it. I don't know if I, and I don't know if that's just the, the the Kirby charm. If it's just me associating Jack Kirby's work with the Silver Age so closely, um, it, even like some of the lettering on some of the pages, like there's some lettering that feels like it it belongs in an earlier time. Um, when you compare it to other books of its age, like when you go through some of the books, like because they have different, it, it, there's different letterers throughout the eleven issues that I got you guys to read. It's not the same creative team. It's like it, it changes quite quite a lot throughout that eleven issues. But um, it's almost like with some of the lettering that's used is is different, and even even the the, the story itself doesn't feel dark enough. <laughs> to be a bronze age tale i mean what do you think leon yeah it like there was as you can feel in most art especially american art that came out in the 70s it all takes a bit more of a melancholic to dark tone because of just things happening in um and how society sort of changed from the 60s to the 70s and having the spectre of the Vietnam War in the background. And this doesn't really reflect that. It, like you say, it does feel like a 60s book. Instead, it more its commentary feels more like general commentary on like Cold War stuff and the bomb and the Russians and stuff. But it doesn't feel like... like it, it's about humanity being war-hungry and easy to be led astray by their different uh, different beliefs and like their their want to to look to certain symbols and 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 act rashly and be superstitious uh, but it doesn't really deal with at least where what we've read up to any of like the internal like inner death of like loss of identity that you get with a lot of st- a lot of um, things from this period where it's like, what are we even 
as, as a nation yeah. with like Nixon as president and all the different scandals going on. It, it doesn't really reflect that. So it does feel like almost like a story pulled out of a drawer that was like a decade old. Yeah, it's it's um, it's too bright and colourful <laughs> to be a 70s book in, in that way. And it's too... Um, how do I say this? It's too... Uh, oh, it's too optimistic, I guess. Yeah. I think I think it's still a bit... Even though it's all about the end of the world and whatever else, I still yeah, think I it's say. too... <laughs> I still think it has too much of an optimistic bent um, compared to other 70s books. It's an anomaly in that way. And that that's kind of one of the reasons I like it, actually, because I... I I feel like this is like classic Kirby work and it just goes to show how much of an influence on comics Jack Kirby was because this is Kirby's work in the seventies and it's, it it, it feels like a throwback, but he was so prominent and so prolific in the sixties with Marvel that he, he is basically the silver age without Kirby. There is no silver age. And He's bringing the Silver Age with him into the seventies, which I quite like. It's like it's like the, the Silver Age is Jack Kirby almost, which I'm I'm very much on board with. Um, what do you think of some of the themes in it, Tazzy, and some of the like the imagery and everything else? Like, what did you make of all of it? Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't really know because I I feel like. I was just trying to follow the story that, like, a lot of the themes are, like, lost on me. <laughs> so it was, it's, yeah, I can, I can see what you mean. If it, if it like, because you, you, the, what, from what you've been saying, you were just very overwhelmed by the whole thing because it's just so different to everything you've, you've checked out before. Because I, I suppose, like, throwing this at you, because you don't, you've said before, actually, you don't read an awful lot of comics, do you? Yeah, I'm just like yeah. sporadically and then here and there. Chuck something like chuck something like this at you. It's, yeah, yeah. I can you understand just threw that. Me yeah. right in the deep end. <laughs> but it's also good to have the perspective of someone that's not like as because I could I could read this and I could tell you all day about how great it is. But it's good to have the perspective of people that aren't as you know, um like haven't haven't read as many comics or aren't as as um as as kind of like desensitized to this kind of stuff <laughs> as I am you know <laughs> um which is like part of the fun of it i suppose but yeah i mean like there's some really cool like use of like um biblical imagery and things that pops up in it as well like there's a there's a one i like with the the wheel within the wheel where the Celestials kind of like join together and do this thing where they make the wheel within the wheel, which is like kind of like a reference to the biblical angel design, isn't it? Like the wheel within a wheel. Um, And then like um, some of the other stuff that pops up where they kind of like link it back to ancient religions and stuff. So like, I mean, as far as it goes as a a kind of like a sci-fi epic, like did you guys get, the kind of like the same sense that I got with everything being so grand and unfathomable and cyclopean and just like these huge, like, cause what I, from what I, what I get from it is that like, cause it, with things like this and things like Galactus, there's this theme that kind of runs through the work in the way that 
um, like characters like Galactus in earlier works that Jack Kirby's done and in things like this, he likes to dwarf and humble the human race and take us down a peg or two, right? Mm. And um, I don't know if any of you guys kind of like thought about that and sort of noticed that yeah. as much as I did and, and kind of had to think about it after closing the book about how, you know, maybe we are something smaller in a big, huge, massive, fast machine or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe I, we are just an experiment. <laughs> I think it's hard to miss that. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think like just the words like enormous and big and huge and uh, yeah. like, uh, I, I don't like every word for big is probably in this <laughs> comic. <laughs> <laughs> just there's just so many points that it's like just describing how huge um the the celestials are and just like even even the powers of the eternals um how how much stronger than humans they are um and I mean, I feel like I have quite a humble attitude to human life in general, so. <laughs> You're right there with the, with the celestials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to you destroy someone's ego, you show yeah. them to me like, yeah. But, also, um, there was a moment where, oh, I'm trying to find it, but there was a moment where, because at, at the beginning, where you had uh, the, the woman, Margot, and her, uh, and her dad, uh, and they're in this space that's about to get closed off because of this 50-year judgment so it's like you can't leave um because this thing's about to happen and then later on there's these three oh no it's the shield agents the americans yeah yeah i just think of them as the americans but i remember now they were shield agents <laughs> and uh, the dad was trying to say like you know you guys can't you can't leave and they're like no 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 we're going we're, we're leaving we're like we're done with this we need to get back we're like no 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 you can't <laughs> you don't understand <laughs> you don't understand you can't leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah. trying to tell you like you see this big celestial this thing's bigger than you it's bigger than all of us like no 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 just punch yeah. didn't punch ajax yeah, they and I was like, they were like, we've got to cut an ace up our sleeve. Yeah, and I'm like, you call that an ace? Yeah. More like a joker. <laughs> it's like not even a joke. It's the it's the rules card. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, so they're like, yeah, and then they kind of then they get not no, it wasn't vaporized, but they get squashed into that box again the for atom, the second time. The atom, yeah, yeah. So that that was just a funny moment. It just shows like how. Like the, I guess the the ego of humans and that being taken down a peg and that just being reflected in these three. I know they're shield agents, but I just think of them as Americans because yeah. they were Americans. But it's also yeah. that what we perceive as that American kind of exceptionalism. Like, no, we're going to do yeah. this thing. Like, forget it. <laughs> rock, <laughs> Can't... rock, flag, and eagle. Yeah, is that what we need? <laughs> that's, that's all we need. So yeah, that was just yeah. a funny moment. It's just to, to your point about this uh yeah this bringing humans down uh, a peg yeah it's like have that american government yeah <laughs> they try to nuke a celestial that's yeah. the bit i was yeah. talking about where the celestial where they become a wheel within a wheel it's after they try to nuke him isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> try and use like a, a a mini nuke on this a giant <laughs> being giant. Like... <laughs> like in your hand i'm just gonna throw at you <laughs> that is so so large that like just isn't even bothered by your existence that might be these beer ants (laughs) that might be the craziest thing that happens in these books so far (laughs) like when they when they punch punch an eternal (laughs) and then the guy's just got 
like a hand grenade nuke at, <laughs> that he, that he can seemingly pitch as if he's part of like the classic Yankees or something like that. <laughs> like I was like, what is going on? Like I thought was he bluffing, but no. And then he's just standing there in awe, and I'm like, what the hell? Did he actually just try to like baby nuke this like ancient? Go- like it's just pure like. I think part of it is obviously like pure like America. <laughs> it's like I think really they can is. like bomb everything, and that's what Crow's like plan was to to get them at war. But it's so insignificant. But, it, but it's just such a wild wild thing like that he did, and the fact that he had it, and the fact that he did it after like punching. And I thought that before then maybe the thing that was in his hand was some sort of I don't know serum based thing, which gave him like a bit more strength to like punch. Basically a titan or whatever. Uh, but like, it, no, you just slugged him. <laughs> sucker punched him. Just sucker punched him, yeah. And these that, guys, like, you've got to remember, like, the Eternals and the Deviants in, in this mythology, like, um, I don't know if I, I made this clear up top when I should have, but the Eternals themselves were, when they've had interactions with human humanity, we've we've thought of them as mythical heroes or legends or gods. Um, and, you know, them living on mountaintops and, and living on Mount Olympus, that's where the Greek gods come from mm. uh, and things like that. And then the deviants are, you know, where because of how they look, because they're constantly changing and they, they're monstrous and they mutate and whatever. Like, that's where we get our ideas of demons and monsters from. Um and and devils and things like that and it's just it's just the fact that like this guy is standing there like an inca god but with like some really cool shades (laughs) and (laughs) so so i'm gonna punch a god and then i'm gonna throw a nuke at a bigger god you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna throw a nuke at the god's god like (laughs) yeah yeah i was thinking there's another i don't i don't know what kind of theme this is but so the thing between uh, Athena and and Crow, and then he takes her to the the um, deviant homeland. Uh, yeah. I suppose to that big, not the big, the battle between the reject and yeah. Yeah. other kind of um, uh, what do you call it? The I, I keep forgetting the word. Mutate, that. mutate. The, the yeah. mutate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Carcass. Yeah. Car- <laughs> and quite a Athena- first date, that isn't it. Dinner and a show. Based on their dialogue, it it, it wasn't the first one. It was just the first one. No, the first rekindled, rekindling. Yeah, but But, first, first rekindling date for Devio and Eternalette. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, and the and And the last. Yeah, yeah. and they fought, and because Fina thought that uh, Crow was dead, or. something like that <laughs> Crow, Crow should have died because deviants don't normally live as long as Eternals yeah. yeah so that was a surprise for her but then she ends yeah. up because she's just like disappointed at this whole uh, this whole circus this like yeah uh, thing. and then she ends up like giving mercy to the reject and then the carcass yeah and they're like because I think there was one moment where carcass speaks and the yeah. other divas were like, it talks. <laughs> we know it talks. And <laughs> she's like showing mercy and like, okay, we're going to, we're going to go with you. I think yeah. there's some kind of, there's some kind of theme. Uh, I think yeah, that was my f- favorite arc. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. 
your favorite bit yeah yeah i, I like that whole arc um because i feel like there's a lot of like just um Fina telling them like i think there's a line at the end when before mm. she like just vanishes with with the two uh mutates like um yeah about that the problem is within yourselves yeah um it's not that you yeah that your atoms are unstable it's that you you harbor this self-hate yeah um and I just like loved that whole thing of her like see, seeing the the what was it the deaf the deaf the train train or, the, or yeah the death train or, which is it's like it's like a a, a, a holocaust reference isn't it yeah I was yeah. going to say yeah. that has some in fact holocaust was mentioned a couple of times a lot of times yeah. Yeah. yeah I will say though the <laughs> I did laugh that the um because uh, the deviants were like we've got this this mutate and he's so hideous and he's like the worst of the worst and then you flip the page it's like oh it's a pretty good looking guy <laughs> and, and, then, and then when Athena comes uh in and that's I feel that's the first thing she says oh he's quite handsome he's like okay he's not not that uh not that big a deal that's he's the, the worst like, the yeah. worst de- worst looking deviant we've ever produced we make him wear a mask because he looks yeah. normal <laughs> 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 It, I should I should mention by the way for for the listeners that like so I'll, what I'll do is I'll just I'll just give you um, a synopsis of the first eleven issues of the Eternal. So uh, when I explained up top, um, the fourth host have come to Earth to judge us. This is like a bunch of Celestials. The fourth host of Celestials have come to judge us to judge their experiment and to see what's going on and to take samples and just be giant scientists basically. Um, and in doing this. Um, it has sort of like caused the Eternals and the Deviants to reveal their existence to mankind. And this whole book is basically the three offshoots of mankind on Earth, the three offshoot races, de- de- dealing with the return of the Celestials, basically, and and dealing with them now being connected once again and, and being in in uh, communication with each other and how the humans deal with the existence of the Eternals and the Deviants and how the the, the uh, animosity between the Deviants and the Eternals plays out and so on and so forth. That's kind of... That's basically what's happening here in this book. That's the, the basics of the 11 issues. It's that interaction and ultimately how they're going to deal with the, the fact that the Celestials have returned how all three of them are going to deal with the, the fact the Celestials have returned and how, how they might come together to, to deal with that. Um, and yeah, and, and just all the kind of like weird sci-fi theming and everything else that goes with it. Um, and the, the strange Romeo and Juliet story, um, DVO and Eternal Et. And just how how that all plays out with Athena and Crow, and it's it's just so operatic. It really is like a sci-fi opera thing, isn't it? Mm. Like the whole thing, um, so grand and operatic, and and it is it is like ancient myths and legends, and and it is ancient myths and legends updated and sci-fied up for modern day, um, which is I think what Jack Kirby's good at and is part of the Kirby charm, and I think. Um, I think if the movie is a anything anything a shade of this, I think I think I'm really going to enjoy it. Actually, yeah, I can see. I'm looking forward to talking about the movie. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I want to, because obviously, like, has he seen it? So I don't want to necessarily spoil it for myself. But I can see some of the, because I've I've tried to keep away from reviews, but I've you know some stuff has creeped through, and it feels like a quite divisive um, uh, film. And I can see some of the potential problems in in this book because, as we said, it it doesn't necessarily focus because it moves around a lot, which I don't, I don't necessarily have a, a issue with. But because there's no there's not necessarily one or a couple kind of people to hang your hat on. Like there's not a, an Iron Man uh, running through the whole thing that you can just follow. It moves around from different collectives. So it makes it hard to, Yeah, um, I think you mentioned at the beginning, actually it makes it hard to know who to root for. So even as I was reading it at, from the beginning and Crow, even though, like I said, he has a, a spectacular set of uh, glasses, I, I got the sense that he was the enemy but then it's like, oh, wait, him and Thena. So maybe he's not all bad and then they're teaming up. So everything, there's a lot of movement, even you know, from image-wise, there's a lot of movement, but even on the story. So I can see in the film, yeah, depending on how they go with that, like it'd be hard to know who to follow and who to root for and what is, you know, what is a completely new set of characters in the, in the MCU. Yeah, because one of the things that I would probably guess based on previous movies they've made, is that there'll be a higher focus on the character for the movie, and that could help them out, because I think that the there's like a fleeting sort of focus on character in the book, and Icarus is the closest thing, really, to a protagonist, and hmm. he's kind of one-dimensional, and <laughs> like he doesn't really... He doesn't even really have the whole silhouette thing where it's like the yeah. unique silhouette of a cool character. He just seems not generic. Generic's too harsh, but he does seem like shades of characters that we've seen before, especially like Kirby-created characters. He doesn't mm. seem original or cool or idiosyncratic in any particular way. Like, out of the Eternals that we meet, a, a way prefer when we spend time with people like Cersei and Fina than yeah. when we spend time with him. Just, but, uh, there's so many things I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, how they approach Chris's character in the film. I feel like they, un- I feel like they know that. I feel like they have the same opinions as you. I was in the... <laughs> that is one dimensional. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't want to don't want to spoil. It. I will say that there was mm. a moment in the film because I sort of started reading this, watched the film, and then finished reading it. Um, I when I was watching the film, I had certain thoughts on the deviants that I felt like oh, I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> but I wanted more from them. And then that was kind of like in the comic. It's oh okay yeah this makes sense. This mm. is. This feels more. I feel like yeah. the deviants don't get done. They're pretty different in the movie. I'll say that uh, in the in the um, in the comics as well. In the later books, um, in the new the the sort of like the latest kind of run of the Eternals, the latest volume, the Kieran Gillen stuff. They they make fun of Icarus being this one dimensional character. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> 
they they so that it they it's like it becomes a thing that they become very aware of later on and even in this actually they call him a brute and a bore don't they mm-hmm. so but yeah he's um he is pretty one dimensional he's not my he, and he's not i think he's like the the all encompassing superman but he's not like the even even like for a large portion he just he gets taken down quite easily doesn't he by the deviants early on when that's they're true, having actually, a battle, yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> when the deviants are trying to stir it up and get the humans to fight the celestials by posing as devils, so that the humans think that the devil has come back from space, <laughs> um, to get the humans aware of the celestials and get the humans to fight the celestials. Um, this is a question like, I have he's... actually, Greg. Yeah, yeah. Because the plotting is kind of wild with that stuff. So he, so he's there and he's like. Uh, was it Ike Harris and then it's like shades off no I'm actually uh, Icarus. Icarus and then yeah. all uh, the Celestials return and like hell sets loose but like they're, they're looking for the beacon right and so like he yeah. sets off the beacon right yeah it's it's almost like it's like pre it's like memories that are locked off and pre-programmed in him yeah but like what was what was his plan so the thing was, it was like he was just with these archaeologists and he kind of like steered them into setting off the beacon to... Yeah, yeah, return. yeah. But, but why? Yeah, but it's like because he had to, because it was like something that was programmed into him by the Celestials so they could come back. And then like the the whole... So I, I thought that was like plotted weirdly. And then mm. I thought that the Deviant stuff was plotted weirdly as well, where it's like, okay going to attack New York, pretend with the devil and demons and stuff like that. And then, like, next issue, it's like, okay, truce, guys. Uh, we're going to, like, <laughs> let go of this Superman that we, 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 we captured and, like... We made we, a deal. We, yeah, we, yeah, we've knocked him off the chessboard. Like, you guys are going down. And it's like, okay, let's have a truce for no reason and, like, un, like release the guy, you know, the super powerful guy that we were lucky to yeah. put at the bottom of the sea and they let him go. And then everyone's like, like it just feels so quick. How everyone's like, buddy, buddy, like, yeah, uh, follow me, Fina. Let's come to my hometown. Let me show you around. <laughs> and it, it's just it, like the, the, the pacing's so weird. Like when, when they've got this truce and then it's like, okay. Um, hey guys, like this professor, he's like, oh, he's totally the best. Like, he's like the smartest dude. We can trust him. But uh, don't come in the room yet. I'm going to, let me break it to him. So I'm going to tell him this tall tale and then uh, then he'll be ready to see you guys. So then she's speaking yeah. to this guy for who knows how long and it's like, okay guys, I think he's ready. They waltz in and he's like, oh my God. And then a week later, like, it, they just jump a week later. It, like, it just, it removes a lot of the... Um, the building tension you have of that these gods yeah. are back and stuff. Yeah. And um, so then show like it's a week later and then you just have these awkward, which I do kind of love the awkward, everybody in costumes standing next to each other stuff. But this one, they're on stage while students have a Q&A and they're like, yeah. well, what about blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's so weird. And like, it's a fever dream, isn't it? It's- <laughs> yeah. But it, it's so, it's staged so awkwardly that then- like, I'm thinking, like, why is Crow still hanging out? Like, I know they've got a truce to not, like, beef anymore, but why is he helping them to this degree? <laughs> Didn't he want the whole war? Because like, he's, he's all about Fina, that's why. But it just, it, it, it seems, 
It seems like he's giving too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he starts talking about this ideal world that he has in mind. He tried to put down. Yeah, I'm just yeah. <laughs> I think he's just lost. Yeah, he's not a true deviant. He's not. He's like he almost. Um, he's like a. It, Thena explains it later on when she says that he has qualities that she uh, she looks for as an eternal. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah so and I know. Like, like, yeah, part of that is how they complicate this whole thing. Where you have the, um, it's reject, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you have reject, uh, reject who he complicates the idea of the deviants as well as um, uh, the, the name of the person he was fighting. I can't remember. Carcass. Carcass. Yeah, yeah. Carcass. Yeah. Who, and then who, uh, I just want to point out how much Carcass reminds me of Gossamer from Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh no, sorry, I did, I did not get that, but now you just hit me with that. Uh, I need to go and Google that now. <laughs> and then, like, uh, yeah. like I know, I know, like, uh, Crow's there to, like, complicate things, and then, from what I, uh, I know, I think later in the book, there's, like, Eternals who aren't as rosy, who are there to complicate things a bit. I mean, even, even Sprite is a bit of a, an annoying little... Douche, you get spanked weirdly. But like, I love that panel. <laughs> so awkward. But like, yeah, because I get like, I, I and I do really like the bit of them complicating, making it not quite black and white. That like deviants are good, and uh, sorry, uh, deviants are bad, and the Eternals are good, etc., etc. But there is some just weird stuff um, that at times it feels like two stories going on at the same time Um, and that's like the story of like the new york based people in um costumes flying around and doing stuff whether they be good or bad and this like really cool concept of okay 50 years this tower this towering uh behemoth is just gonna be there in this dome yeah like 50 like which to all these people who live for thousands of years and forever that's just nothing but, like, it's such a big thing that um, uh, Icarus has to drag out the dude's daughter. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's taking too long to make it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to make it for you. <laughs> and then it's just like... here for 50 years. And then yeah. it's just like, shut up, woman, and puts her to sleep in the plane. <laughs> and it, like, <laughs> like it, it's so wild that, like, next issue, they had to be like, okay, uh, I've got to remedy this and uh, introduce a really cool, strong female character. And then I need to do it again the next issue just to, like, uh, recover from that issue. <laughs> it's so 70s in that way. <laughs> or even earlier than the 70s, like, like I was saying before. Um, and this is what I mean about like how it, it feels a bit silver agey because like if you look at you know like if you look at some of the really early Fantastic Four books and you look at the way they talk to Susan Storm like if you ever read any early Fantastic Four books Leon yeah 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 and you look at the way that Reed Richards talks to Sue <laughs> right and then you think about how like it's it's just it's it's very very of its time in that but, way. Yeah. But but I think yeah. this one... I, I got some of that in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think this one is that, but I think it's also uh, trying to make a statement, but falling on 
a bit of a trope to do so because I think the contrast yeah. between her is it Margot? Margot. Yeah. 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 The contrast between Margot and like Cersei and Fina does feel very specific, and I think it's a shorthand for uh, like humanity versus like the Celestials and how just how mm. how different their like outlook is and, and, and way of thinking is. But so like I think that it felt transgressive at the time like uh yeah uh, like oh like we've got these like these like uh titan women who blah 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 who like handle themselves and blah 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 but it, it and to show how weak humans are we're gonna have this but it, it comes this woman diluted, screaming and and have a little diluted dis- version of that yeah yeah but, but I, I so i think i think it's got a point of what it's trying to do but I think it's like like I was saying with the the other thing from 2015. Yeah. In in this case, it feels a bit like misjudged because it's mm. like to get to point B, point like yeah. A is a bit weird and like needless. <laughs> it's almost mm. a diluted because it's he almost does he does this almost does this better in the new gods with Big Barda, hmm. Like and characters like Barda and whatever and then to go from that to this which is kind of like he took Barda and he's like oh this is a little bit you know 80% proof for Marvel readers <laughs> I think I'm <laughs> gonna dilute it down and mix it up with something you know and he does and that's yeah it almost um yeah dilute is a good word I was gonna say like undercuts because even with Fina I was trying to find the, the page but because yeah. you've got Margot, who's just who yeah. doesn't do much, yeah. <laughs> but just gets carried around and has yeah. decisions made for her. Uh, and then it, like you say, is almost corrected with uh, Cersei. But then even Cersei, Cersei is is a bit. I have issues with Cersei. Yeah, I was wondering what uh, your thought because she she has quite a she's quite powerful, but doesn't necessarily do much Not with really her do power much. Or, yeah. or is asked yeah. to do much. Hmm. So then you get Thena, who is powerful, but then some of the way the characters talk to her is like, "Oh, you female." Um, uh, I can't remember what the line is, but just uh, uh, some kind of acknowledgement that oh, this crazy woman basically, yeah, she's just yeah. she's talking, she's talking nonsense. Uh, so yeah. kind of even that, as the characters stepped up, there's still problems with with each of them, and it, I put it down to of the time, yeah, and how that I like I had to like consciously uh, be like this is an old comic book, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. repeatedly with just. You know these females. Oh my god! It was just I had to like correct it in my head. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that, and that's <laughs> and the thing. Even how they treated like, um, so Cersei, like they kind of hint that she's like this, uh, like sexually and big, like free woman, um, and t- how she talks to um, yeah, it's like Margot about like let loose and <laughs> parties yeah. and like hints of this and. And then sort of just has her, she's got this cool power and then they kind of like weaken her and make her just like a floozy. Like tricks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, because it, it does feel like, uh, like with that element there where I was saying that I can see what they're trying to do, but it misses the mark. It does have that feel of like exploitation films of the time and a bit later, mm. where exploitation films, whether it be black exploitation or like whatever, the loads of different crime films of like uh, sort of people on the fringes of society. A lot of the ones where it was like female centric, where like a woman uh, like takes down a bunch of people, blah blah, blah is always preceded by some sort of violence on women. Like she's either uh, sexually abused or 
like physically attacked or something like that or and and then the the uplifting thing is meant to be and then she got revenge on everyone and took them out but it's still like right, it, it, to get there yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. like to, to get there it's still reveling in quite a um quite a limiting and like i don't know just like lazy lazy thing to get there but it's also when you get to the end of the catharsis it's not really a full <laughs> catharsis because it's like when you get to the end to like was it really worth all this to get here and uh, and uh, most of the time that that is a no and I say that, and I like a lot of like different exploitation movies, but I, I do feel like it definitely feels of its era where it's like, okay, if you have someone do this, that justifies what we've done before. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's fine. We can keep uh, like uh, belittling these women because the whole thing is like, you may refer to me as just a woman, but I have these powers that do X. And it's like, it doesn't really matter that much if your place in the story isn't that instrumental in the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was actually going to ask, but I think we, we we basically pretty much... I was going to ask you, Tazzy, actually, what you thought of the female characters in this and the way that they are treated. Yeah, I think um, Dina's the only one that was, like, really treated yeah. well and just given, like, just a normal... <laughs> normal sort of character <laughs> and not, like, a device. Um, but, like, yeah. oh, God, Margot, I just wish she didn't even exist in this comic. <laughs> yeah, she's useless. Was n- I'd rather there were like no women in this than have Margot. Like that is how, <laughs> how strongly I feel. Like because it's just yeah. she's just kind of pointless, and then just like this. I don't know. Like why? Why is she there apart from to be a damsel in distress? Like this weak toy for everyone to carry around. Like yeah, oh. I literally carry around. Like yeah, literally. <laughs> I almost like, feel like she was put there to be kind of like the human in the whole thing, like the main human, yeah, um, to, to, to show how and have things explained yeah, to, yeah, to be to be our kind of like totem in the book when you're reading it. But yeah, she's yeah, it's handled awfully. Screamish yeah. and like, oh my yeah. god. Yeah, <laughs> I've not followed my dad around this whole time, and I'm actually quite intelligent. But when it comes down to it, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I, I was going to say, the f- but what the film does, and we'll get to that on on uh, when you're on our podcast. But... <laughs> exactly, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but I was going to say, um, Makari and Thena are actually my favourite characters when they turn up. My favourite Eternals. Oh, Makari's quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like his. I, I like the fact that Eternals can just like teleport everywhere, but Makari decides to have a light speed car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, why do you need that? I was like, because I, I. And then I got to the bit where it's like Eternals can just evaporate and reappear um, <laughs> wherever they need to be, especially when when the call goes out and they all have to go and form the Uni Mind, the giant yellow yeah. brain thing. But Even like, <laughs> just the Russians are coming. Yeah. Um, but I was um, I was just thinking about like um the 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 leap of logic to go from like oh quickly let's use our light speed car to get to new york for the battle when they could have just appeared in new york yeah (laughs) Yeah, almost as if they didn't think about that beforehand it's almost as if the power started to exist it's almost as if jack kirby was making this up as he went along (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, yeah. no um i love it i do and i i just i think it is just like as as many problems as it does have and as as unwieldy as it can be at times i think this book is a, a testament to you know like the 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 sort of like the power of jack kirby's imagination in what it was able to set the ball rolling to achieve mm. like forward from this to 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 create this like whole creation myth for um the marvel universe and to for, for this to be its beginning and for the ball to be rolling from here onwards like i i think in in what he managed to set up and create I think it's actually quite it's quite cool to go back to the beginning and see it all laid out and the kind of like the bare shaky um scaffolding that that some of this is mm. as we've just pointed out in our discussion but yeah it's um it's really cool um going to be Can I bring um up one more thing? yeah go for it so there's just uh, cuz I, I mentioned the Russians it just reminded me of my my what might be my favorite uh line in this whole book but um, cause when the, the Russian, not celestial, the Russian Eternals are answering the call and they're making their way back, uh, there was a moment, uh, cause they were, it looked like they were attacked by other, by other Eternals. Yeah, they were. Okay, so that, <laughs> that was happening. And then, cause there's like a team that jumps on their, their like helicopter kind of yeah. thing yeah. And, and as they get out uh just the, the, i love this line i think where is it i'm actually like just reading the uh the quotes the one of the 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 russian gets out it's like can it be that i hear the bleating of sheep and then one of the other turtles just said if you feel like a lion come and bear your teeth and i just thought that was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> it is uh, it is like that hilarious heroic like Ha ha! Yeah. <laughs> Foil again type stuff is, it is, it is, it really is. But it's and he just punches him. It's like, yeah, done. It's almost like I, I feel like some of it's actually quite self-aware and it's parodial in a way. <laughs> but like, it's almost like it, it's trying to parody the genre. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, the yeah, sci- like, with well. the the campiness of it and the sci- the way they go with the sci-fi and everything else. But especially in like, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool all the way nonetheless, I think. Mm. And I, um, one, so. <laughs> I do, I do hope you guys enjoyed it. And hopefully when we come over to the, um, to, to the Mayamada cast and talk about the movie, um, we'll be able to kind of like link some of this up mm. and probably kind of like make connections and get into it a little bit more that way as well. Um, but has anybody else got anything else that they want to bring up before we close out? Um, um, when, uh, oh my God, how have I just forgotten her name when we were just talking about her? See, see, Cersei. Cersei, there we go. <laughs> Cersei uh, turns one of the students' heads into like rock and there um, and oh, humbles him a bit. The thing. You, the mean, you mean the ever-loving blue-eyed thing, Ben Grimm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no reference. Uh, Fantastic Fours. I just I like that moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty cool. That's that's a cool, that is it. That is a cool moment, and um, it's like it's funny reading all the um, the the le- you know like I don't know if you guys in your versions had the letters pages. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. yeah. You read the letters pages and all these these like 
fans writing these long marvel these long letters to the marvel letters office oh, being like oh um i don't want you to tie this into the main marvel universe i think that might ruin the story and all this stuff and then like that's the first bit where it actually kind of like gets tied into the main marvel universe is when they bring up the thing um and then from there onwards they start bringing in shield and they start bringing in loads of other stuff and you're thinking like while all this is going on in you know you you know full well that if if they tried to do anything like this in now in in the comics it'd be like a crossover event because they tried to have a big battle in new york like that you'd have a spider-man one shot you'd have a fantastic four one shot you'd have a it's like where is everyone (laughs) and i i like how the like the story of the internals can just kind of like slip in to to the background of of anything that's going on in marvel um and you know how it just aligns with with uh mythology and and uh history really well Yeah. yeah um just kind of like there behind the shadows. Uh. Mm. Going back on Disney Plus, skipping through scene by scene on every Marvel movie just to find the little bit where Icarus is in the top corner. <laughs> yeah. I would not be surprised. <laughs> the, in, in the, yeah, they're going to update the, uh, the, 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 the they're going to update it. They've, they've done a new edit of each film. And they're going to update it on Disney Plus. So when you go through scene by scene, there's like a little bit where the Eternals are standing just at a shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, Leon, you got anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just run through some like silly things that didn't really have a yeah. place for. But as I was reading, I thought they were like weird or notable. Yeah, starting off with like twenty five cents in nineteen seventy six is is worth a uh, dollar twenty one now. That's so that's. Epic bargain for like what eighteen pages or something? Yeah, like, that is incredible. Like, what is a what is a comic in today's money? Like three, <laughs> four quid? Like five dollars or something? Yeah, four ninety nine. Yeah, like three four ninety nine, depending on the comic. Like some of them, like some of these, like these anthology one shots, can cost you like eight quid. Hmm. Like I did that's like a hundred pages, but yeah, uh, and just it's just ridiculous things for, uh, throughout which crack me up, like. So Icarus is like helps summon the gods to come back, <laughs> and the the place they're in is is they're going to get trapped in there, and um, he's he's uh, the deviants as they're running out are like, um, uh, you might not be killed because you're uh, you're uh, an eternal, uh, but you'll be trapped. And then he's like, yeah, it's cool, I'll be trapped. And I'm like, what about your human buddies? <laughs> like he just doesn't care in that moment at no, all. Man. Like he just n- no, he just not care. Yeah. And then uh, there's just oh, so many things that's like, don't you understand? You're thinking of your emotions and like um, the uh, like. I loved like there's some great Kirby prose in there with like the concrete canyons of New York City. But then yeah. I think in that same issue is when um, so I- I- Icarus is stuck in that thing at the bottom of the sea. And his his mate who was hanging out with the the, the Incas, they find his find him. So, oh, should we go and get him? And he's like, nah, nah. <laughs> let him stew. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the the interplay between them. How they don't really give a shit about each other. <laughs> They're just kind of like, 
they've been alive too long. I think yeah, that's what it is. When you've known yeah. people for so long, they just everything they yeah, do just annoys you. At the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I think I think Ajak I think Ajak was just sore about being kept inside a block in an Inca temple for so long. <laughs> he was sleeping. <laughs> He was. He wasn't sleeping. He was just. He was just deatomized or whatever. <laughs> and then they put him back together, and he's he like, basically okay, sleep. Yeah. There was no disorientation there or everything. Anything. Straight it's like to he work. knew exactly. Straight to work. Like yeah. Uh, None of this. Then, what's a camera? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of that where people just accept accept stuff. Yeah, like um, yeah. Uh, the two humans at the beginning, they're told all this stuff, and it's just like, wow. Okay, I'm going to take that as gospel from you, Mister Blonde Man. Yeah. And then these alien creatures that they've never seen before demons arrive and and it's like it's cool i started blasting like get down i'll I'll shoot at them and then everyone only pauses once the uh the celestials come back which to be fair you would because it's just like in or everything but um i think the the last note i had that was just a random note is that i think that in the last issue that we read like uh, 11 i really like the page with the missiles being like not really yeah. being, but like being sent back to sender. I think that yeah. is, that's really cool. The way how it's yeah. um, spaced out between those panels. And then you see like the the final one where it's like, they all died of cardiac arrest anyway. Like all that yes. stuff is really cool. I guess my final mentions are some of my favorite stuff in there is, is about the celestials themselves and actually being able to see the celestials and like, when when he does like the the um we get these like these pages that that give you the scale and the grandness of these like giant cosmic unfathomable beings just and i love i love stuff like that and i love i love the idea of the celestials and i just like the design of the celestials as well like especially arashem the judge like i'm really into that kind of like weird sci-fi design this kind of like faceless monolithic being just standing over and just doing what it wants how it wants without any care for you for you are an ant to this thing you know like i love i love all that stuff like the the the, the humbling and dwarfing of humanity and everything else it's cool um and i i really like some of the the kind of like the full page spreads like when we're shown lemuria and we get like a full page of the the sunken city and everything else and I just think some of the work in there is incredible on some of these like full pages and stuff. And it, it's iconic as well. Like you don't get anything like it in comics. There's, there's no other, there's nothing else like a, a, a Kirby comics page. Like for, especially when he's doing his thing with the sci-fi and getting to let loose a little bit. It's just, it's insane. It really is. Um, and I I love all of it. And uh, the the last little thing I wanted to mention as well is I, I I would really have liked to have seen the New York Police Department get bodied by the, um, the deviants. But <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, and yeah, I think that closes us out for our discussion on the Eternals. Hopefully, one day we're going to get to revisit the Eternals, and um, hopefully we'll get to read the rest of it, uh, um, and maybe di- dive into some of the other. Um, later runs of Eternals as well and check some of that out because I would like to do that um, and just so just so that we can see where it goes and, and have a record and a discussion about where it goes and how it goes and everything else um, 
And that has been uh, Ace Comicals Presents the Eternals. You can find us in the usual place, www.acecomicals.com, where you can find links to everything we do and everywhere that we are. Um, you can listen to us anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. Um, we make no secret of our existence, and we certainly don't live on mountaintops. Um, you can find me on Twitter under at Bato, that's B-A-T-T-O-U, and you can find uh, us on Twitter and interact with us at Ace Comicals, uh, DM us, um, you know, at us, talk to us about the Eternals. If you've read the books, tell us what you like or dislike about the book. Um, tell us about your favorite parts. Um, and, uh, anything you want to plug Nigel? Uh, yeah, lots of stuff. Um, but one in particular, uh, we finished our latest manga. So I encourage, I think the last time I was on the show, I talked about it. It has been yes. a long time coming but we have yes. actually finished it is with the printer it's actually happening <laughs> so um yeah our latest manga serious through the fog is uh coming out uh, i'll be going to thought bubble uh in nomar which we're in and just became aware of um time right um so yeah i'll be at thought bubble first convention since the pandemic uh with the new with the new comic and yeah you can get that at mymatter.com and check out all our other stuff as well is Thought Bubble next week? It is, yeah, this coming, yeah, next weekend as we're yeah. recording. I'm so sad that I can't make it to that. I would really have liked to have gone. Yeah, have Would've you been, been to really a Thought cool. Bubble before? I have, yeah. We we oh, went cool. to one in 2018 or something, didn't we, Leon? Yeah. Was it eight? Yeah, eight, yeah. And it was really I cool. Been at it was that really one. good fun. Yeah. Why are you at that one? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've done, yeah, sev- 17, 18, 19. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So we, I might have I might have like crossed paths with you without even knowing about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's mad. Um, I'm just looking now for the episode that we did serious on, um, so I can tell people to go listen to it. Oh yeah, because we have a really good discussion about it, and we get yeah, to talk like to you about the creative well. process and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. really good stuff. Um, I think it is. Ah, it's an, it's episode 110. Cool. Um, so if you go back and look for episode 110 of Ace Comicals titled Thunder Thighs, um, <laughs> because we also discussed that wonderful James Stokoe book, um, oh, yeah. Orphan <laughs> and the Five Beasts. Yeah. So it's uh, it's on there that we talk about series and we get to have a good chat with Nigel about the project and, and the creative process and everything else. And it's all good fun. Um, Tazzy, you got anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, uh, just me in general. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me at Tazzy on uh, Instagram, on Twitter, find me on YouTube. And I am back into streaming, uh, which is Tazzy with an X on the end on Twitch. So, yeah, come check me out. Play games, talk about stuff. It's fun. What are you playing at the moment? Oh, as ever, I'm playing like uh, a lot of things at once. Um, (laughs) But I have recently started to get back into Dragon Quest Builders 2, which is like my go-to chill-out game. Um, but I'll be playing some Animal Crossing, probably some Forza, because that's the new one's just come out. Oh, is that Horizon? Horizon yeah, Horizon. Forza Horizon 5. There you go. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. And uh, Leon, where find can we find you? On Twitter, at Leon Everett. Yes, Mount Olympus. <laughs> uh, no, Twitter Twitter's actually more like um more like the sunken city of Lemuria at the minute, but there we go. Uh, 
So, yes, uh, that has been Ace Comicals. Uh, That's Ace Comicals presents The Eternals. Ace Comicals, over and out.